0: celebrating what God did at Orofino on the missions trip, and all of us were involved, praying and supporting, some going, sending together, and if that looked fun to you, I hope that whets your appetite because you have a chance to get more involved. We have a missions conference coming up. At Grace, in about a month, it's been almost a year of planning for this, and we're excited, why? Because all of us are sent, not just one group for one time, but we're all sent, locally and globally, And God is moving. We all want to be world Christians, meaning we want to love the nations like God loves the nations and bless people in all places. And so what is God going to do? When they left for the trip to Orifino, they didn't know all the amazing things God was going to do. But many of them came back saying, that was my greatest experience with God. I've ever had and we don't know what God's gonna do as we give God access to our lives but we know this we've existed for over 70 years as Grace Community Church and the vision has always been to be a blessing locally and globally and we're excited and be prayerful about what God is stirring right now and when it comes to missions we know we have 40 international partners over half are raised up from our church but all of us have a vital role in God's work and God's purposes. So we're celebrating Orofino. We're also looking ahead to what's coming up in a few weeks together. Uh, More good news is that we have an adult ministry pastor and Lord willing, he's gonna be starting on Tuesday. His name is Paul Reed and this is an answer to prayer. We thank God. We're so excited. Today we're in Psalm 90, you can find it in your Bible, find it on your phone, Psalm 90. This is the Psalm that Moses wrote, it's unique, and God is your dwelling place. God is my dwelling place, God is our dwelling place. That's the heart of this Psalm, let's pray. Father God, nothing is more refreshing than to be in your presence and to be close to you. And God, we draw near to you together now And we thank you for the ways that you refine us to be more like you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the ways that our desire for you and your presence is increasing. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, your provision and your protection. And God, we thank you how you're moving in this place and moving in our hearts, moving in our homes. We don't wanna grieve or quench the Holy Spirit in any way And we wanna walk with you full of love, truth, and trust today. We're eager to grow, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. What is your number one role every day? What is the most important thing in your life every single day? It's to abide with God. To abide with God is our number one role. God is our dwelling place. Why is that so important? Why is that so significant? to abide with God. Well, Moses is glad we're asking. That's why he wrote Psalm 90 because his heart is to help people abide with God. This is Psalm 90 which would be the oldest of all the psalms. The psalms are the largest book in the Bible. There's 66 books. There's 150 psalms and the Bible isn't written completely chronologically. So when we come up to Psalm 90, Moses, the author, of course, anytime we're talking about authors in the Bible, God is the author, the Holy Spirit is the author, works through us every day, even though we're flawed. He works through the authors, the human authors, even though they were flawed. This is God's word, perfect, it's our authority, it's our truth source, and we receive Psalm 90. Moses writes other parts of scripture As you look through the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and there's some places that look like Psalms. Exodus chapter 15 is a song that Moses writes. Deuteronomy chapter 31, another song. Deuteronomy chapter 33, a blessing. So in his writing, you see the flavor of the Psalms and then here we see Psalm 90. Moses learned to abide with God after seeing what happens when he doesn't abide with God. Have you seen the difference in your life between abiding with God and not abiding with God? There's two ways to learn in life. You can learn early or you can learn late. Who learns early? You learn early when you're teachable. When you're teachable before God, you say, God, this is your word. I wanna honor you. I wanna walk with you. I wanna have an undivided heart. God, if you say jump, I say how high on the way up? You learn early, that's one option. Or you can learn late. Well, what does it look like to learn late? Well, people who learn late have a stubborn heart. God, I I know what it says, but that's not what I wanna do. God, I know what you think, but maybe you don't know what I think. God, my ways are just a little better than yours. I'm gonna handle this my way. So God, I'm not gonna say yes to your way. I'm gonna do things my way. And let's just see how that plays out. And then you know what happens after some headache and some heartache? Stubbornness, learning late, learning late. And people who learn late sometimes have a real passion. And when they're talking to the next generation, they're coming with a lot of passion. If you're here and you have a parent or a grandparent that's bringing a lot of passion, you might wanna know why there's some passion. Because a lot of them have learned late. I learned late. I rejected God until later on in life. I wasn't someone who always wanted to learn early. And what happens if you learn late, you come with passion because you don't want other people to have to learn the same way. You don't want other people to have to learn late. And maybe no one told you, or maybe you knew, but you made the wrong decision, so you wanna come and help some other people to not have to go down that same road. Moses knew what it's like to abide with God, but that really developed a little later after he knew what it's like to not, abide with God there's a big difference there's two ways to learn you can learn early or learn late his heart in this psalm is to pass on to the next generation what he's learned the older I get the more passionate I become about passing on to the next generation I've got four teenagers in my house like I'm their only dad right Lori's their only mom Like, that's a primary place to pass on to the next generation. God's brought people in your life. As you get older, may your desire to equip and encourage and empower the next generation just grow. And that's what we see with Moses. It's a really good thing. Now, let's begin in the context for Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses. The Psalms are prayers. They're songs, They're crying out to God, deep crying out to deep. Sometimes they're confession. There's different genres. Moses starts in verse one. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God. What a way to start the Psalms. That summarizes the Psalms. If you wanted to summarize the Psalms in three words, you would say, you are God. Because when you acknowledge and worship that you are God, then we are in our right place because we are not God. What is created is not God. You alone are God, self-existent, always have been, always will You don't need us, we need you. You are God. Because God is our creator in a benevolent creator. Because of God's character, he's perfect. Because of God's compassion for us, we wanna be close with God. You're probably here today because you wanna be close with God. Or someone forced you to come and you're not sure if you wanna be close with God. (laughs) But most people are either sleeping in or doing what they want to do. You gathered here today because you want to be close with God. Moses' desire increases over his life. God, you are our dwelling place. It means you are our shelter, God. You are our refuge. God, we need your presence. We need your provision. We need your protection. We need your power in our lives. You are God, Eyes are on God, worshiping God, abide with God. What does it mean to abide? It means to draw close, to lean in, to linger there, to listen, to love God because you're so loved. There's no better place in the world than to abide with God. Nothing better than his presence Draw near to God. And as we read these first two verses in the, in the psalm, we think that sounds pretty good. I think I've heard that before. It's a good reminder. Let's draw near to God. So well, then how does it get so complicated? If we have this desire to abide with God, why is it that in life or during the week or when things get hard or we get lonely or we get down, we just start drifting and there's distance and rebellion. Like what is going on? Well, Moses unpacks that starting in verse three. And I'm calling this the reality of our humanity, and Moses is real. We need to be real. God is real, we need to be real. Uh, We have a culture that's focused on highlight reels, but highlight reels only tell part of the story. Being real is much greater than a highlight reel, and if we're not ready to be real, we probably won't go very far or deep in our walk with God. We've gotta come to him real. And this might be a little surprising or strange because you don't always hear people this real. This is what Moses says, starting in verse three. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Now, there is an encouraging part to this psalm coming, but let's camp right here in these verses the reality of our humanity. Moses highlights a few things. First of all, our mortality. We will return to dust. We will not be in these bodies, these same bodies for eternity. Sometimes that's a hard thing to face, a really hard thing to face, our morality. To return to dust, that literally means to crush. There is a crushing. We are not going to be in this tent. This tent is temporary. And it's really difficult to face our morality. Facing my morality was part of what drew me and drove me to Jesus because I realized my death is gonna come at some point. Does anyone have victory over death? Is anyone able to bring eternal life? Our morality, also the brevity of our life, 70 to 80 years, that's an average. That's usually if things go well, might be less. For Jesus, he was just in his 30s and that was the end of his life. There's a brevity to life. The Bible says it's kind of like a vapor and a sigh. Like you think, oh, 80 years sounds like a long time until you're like 60 and 70 and 80 and you're just like, what just happened? Where did my life just go? That was so fast, I can't believe. Is this really the right number? Am I this old? Uh, there's a quickness and a brevity to life. There's also a fragility to life. There's moaning and there's suffering and there's pain. We don't wanna deny it. We don't wanna over-magnify it. Some people try to deny it. Some people over-magnify it. no. The truth is we suffer in this life. There's also a depravity as part of our humanity. I'm saying mortality, brevity, fragility, and depravity. It sounds like a preacher's list. Uh, Depravity is our rebellion. It's the times we don't trust God. We don't honor God. We're stubborn in our sin. The Bible says secret sins. Right here, God takes our secret sins and brings them into the light. You got any secret sins? Been playing any games lately? thinking you're so slick and sly, God will never catch you, no one will ever find out. You just do your secret sins and look all spiritual on the outside, fool everybody. Is that gonna work for very long? Today's a day to confess, to get right with God, to come home. We don't want secret sins. They weigh us down. It's a life of double life, hypocrisy. I don't want that junk in my life. I don't want secret sins. That's where Moses is guiding the people through this psalm. It's a good thing to confess to the Lord. See, it's strange to hear someone be this honest and straightforward like Moses is here. In social media these days, everyone just wants to put an image out that's kind of a partial on their story and it's a highlight reel. Now, there's nothing wrong with having social media or reaching people through social media or telling the story of what God's doing in your life, but if Moses had Instagram, if Moses had Twitter, if Moses preferred Facebook, what you might see is here's a picture of us crossing the Red Sea. And then here we are picking up the manna. That was Monday, that was Tuesday, that was Wednesday. Every day we pick up manna. Moses might take a few pictures and say, here's the cloud that leads us during the day. And you know what else? Here's a picture of the fire at night. Moses would have these different pictures in the wilderness, here I am going up to the mountain. Notice I don't have any food, I'm fasting. If he was on Instagram today, he might say, here's the tablets. Here they are. Take a look and have a few more pictures. It would be my best life in the wilderness. Look how awesome we are in the wilderness. and That would be part of the story. I hope if you have social media, your message isn't we're awesome or I'm awesome, but your message is, look what God's doing, look what God's provided, I thank God for this and giving God the glory. What you might not see on Moses' Instagram account are some other pictures. He might not show the strife in his family. He might not wanna show the people complaining. He might not wanna show in the video That the people are saying, all we get is this manna again? You're probably not gonna see on his Instagram that the people have a lack of faith, that the people don't wanna move forward in the promised land, and that they're just sitting around saying, let's go back to Egypt. All that might not appear on the social media account, but that's the real story, it's the full story. It's a both and. God's doing wonderful things in spite of their lack of faith, and yet they continue to rebel. That's the story of the wilderness. Aren't you glad that the Bible's a real book? Aren't you glad you get to see the whole picture? Because if we just want to present what we only want to present, it might not be so truthful. Most of us would rather pick a highlight reel than what is real. But what is real points people to God because God is always real and he's full of love and he's full of truth. And so as we read Psalm 90, we're convicted and challenged that we want to be more real. There's a lot of people who will post on social media, here am I with my friends, but they're not going to tell you. They're kind of lonely, kind of lonely. A a lot of people this week are going to post, you know, here's my who I'm dating, here's my fiance, here's my spouse, here's a picture of us, husband and wife, and they're gonna post a really good looking picture, or video, but they're not gonna tell you they're struggling in their marriage, they're really struggling. A lot of people this week are gonna post, here's my kids, see them smile? (laughs) See, we're always happy as a family, but what they're not gonna tell you is, I really don't think I'm doing very well, as a parent these days. And I don't know what to do about it. Because there's an outside story and there's an inside story. And Moses has walked with God long enough to not play the game of the veneer and to try to bring a front and to fake people out. So he's bringing a real full story. And why is that important? Because the more real we get, the more we realize we need God. We need God. Some of us wanna deny and fight that. And then Moses lays out the contrast. If we're not convinced to abide with God, God is above time, over time. Time doesn't contain God. And yet for us, all we know is time. We just talk about time. God brings eternity, and we know about what's transitory. God's immorality, we know our Immortality, we know God's not immoral, but let's get that right. Uh, God's immortality, our mortality, God's perfection, our immorality, God's divinity, our humanity. Such a contrast that's laid out in Psalm 90. Why? So we will abide with God. Because if you see you for who you really are, you're loved, you're made in God's image, you're wonderfully made, but you need God. We need God. God knows we need Him. That's why we abide with God. In the contrast between us and God, just points us to God. God is always in perfect love and perfect truth. God is in perfect truth, which means He corrects His sons and His daughters, and He corrects nations. God corrects His sons. Moses has a problem with His temper. Moses, when He gets frustrated, goes to the flesh instead of the spirit. Can anyone relate to saying things and bringing a tone and doing things that were just not right? Yeah. Moses speak to the rock, don't strike the rock. You keep you're striking the rock, Moses, you're not going in the promised land. God will correct his sons. Aaron, Aaron, this is your chance. Moses is up on top of the mountain. Aaron, the people are gathered, encourage them. They're wavering in their faith. What does Aaron represent? Oh, let's just go with the world. What do the people want? Drift from God. I'll drift too. Hey, let's make calf idols. Let's just worship those. Get your jewelry out. Aaron, don't water down your conviction. What about Miriam? God also corrects his daughters. Miriam, that leader who wants to be mm, noticed, impressive, self exalting, give me more, give me more, leader. Really, Miriam? Is that what you're doing? God brings conviction and corrects her. What about the Israelites? Right, the Israelites, they wander from God. They're in the wilderness, it's the wanderings. God brings correction. There's only two out of a generation that'll really trust God. Don't always go with the majority. God corrects them. He wants to guide them forward into the promised land, align with the word. God will correct the nation. Will God correct America? He sure will. Will God rebuke America? He sure will. Will he prune America? He sure will. God corrects because he loves, he disciplines because he loves and he corrects and disciplines his sons, his daughters and the nations and the Israelites might think, no, we're special, we receive the 10 commandments. Like God's done special things in our lives and he surely has. But that is not an immunity against God's discipline and correction. And because he loves, he grows us and the only place that we have peace and grow in his presence, it's abiding with him. Now, it's good and healthy and right to rely on the Lord. All of this leads us to prayer. All of this leads us to prayer. The more real that you get, the more that you pray. The more you skip over reality, the more you skip over prayer. Let me say that again. The more real you get with God, the more you'll pray. The more you skip over reality, you'll skip over prayer. Linger in his presence, thanking him, praising him, confessing, seeking him, relying on him, crying out to him, go to God in prayer. That's what Moses is guiding the people to do as he's shepherding the people because we need God's help. So what happens when we abide? And now this last section in the psalm is the encouragement. In the middle of all that Moses described, Here is like the fruit and the joy and a a well that doesn't run out. Here is your God who provides, who is gonna bless you in three specific ways. If you abide and seek God, watch what God will do. In the middle of your humanity and the mess and the depravity, in the middle of all that, watch what God will do if you abide. Here's the three blessings. Look at, here's the first one. In prayer, verse 12, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God gives us wisdom with our priorities and our purpose. This is in the mind. God wants to set our minds. The mind of Christ, the priorities of Christ, the purpose of Christ. It's a renewal of the mind. The question is, daily, how do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? How do you decide how to spend your time? God gives you these 24 hours. Every day is a gift. The next one's not guaranteed. You have an incredible one today. How do you decide how to spend your time today? And every day, how do you decide? What about your opportunities? God has given you incredible opportunities. Your name is on it. How are you making the most of these opportunities? These are all linked to your priorities and your purpose. And God doesn't leave you alone, God helps you every day. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit lives with you 24-7 In you 24-7, God communicates through his word and the spirit. The Holy Spirit always brings truth. When it comes to priorities and purpose, the spirit will lead you and guide you and empower you. We're not alone. During the day, check in with the Holy Spirit. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? What's your timing? What's the path forward? What's the purpose for today? What's the purpose for this conversation? God, show me, guide me, empower me. Live in that abiding mode during the day. The Holy Spirit's gonna help you. As Moses grows, you see that his fervency grows. His spiritual temperature increases. There is a fire in Moses' life. As we abide with God, the spiritual temperature of our life changes. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Abiding The passion and purpose of God fills our souls when we abide. We see a fervency with Moses. We see an urgency. Moses is taking action, and he's learned what it's like to take his own action and take God's action. He moves past excuses. He moves past timidity. God doesn't give you a spirit of timidity, but power and love, and there's action involved in following God. Moses learns how to listen to God, stay in step with God, and take action, And he learns how to obliterate his excuses. How are your excuses doing? Are you harboring them, feeding them, calling them legit? Or are you moving past those with a sense of urgency? And then Moses, also in addition to fervency and urgency, there's legacy. Moses becomes very intentional about what he passes on. And God guides him, just like God guides us. In Numbers chapter 27, verses 22 and 23, Moses did as the Lord commanded him, he took Joshua, he was mentoring Joshua, Joshua is gonna be his successor, and he had him stand before Eliezer the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. And look at Deuteronomy chapter 34, at the end of Moses's life. We read, now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. As Moses intentionally builds up Joshua and invites him in and walks with him and equips him, empowers him, there's a sense at the end of Moses' life, like Joshua, take us further. Take us further than we've been able to go in this generation. What a handoff. God, use this next generation to take us further than how far our generation has gone. And because Moses is blessing and equipping Joshua, look where they go, they go into the promised land. It's all linked, it's all tied together. There's purpose. Purpose gets magnified in your life when you listen to God. If you stop listening to God, purpose can shrivel up. You can get distracted, really easy to get distracted. one special week, I was on vacation last week, and it was special because my daughter and I went to the east coast and as we went there, first we went to New York, uh, the man who led me to Jesus lives there, so we stayed with him overnight, and we all got to be together. Uh, there was also an opportunity. NBC asked if I would come do two interviews on in nbc news so i 'm a yes if I can tell the nation turn to God in any way that 's what I want to do is just keep telling America to turn to god and by being with my sister, uh, b- visiting my sisters, and being with my daughter, uh, I wanted my daughter to see that faith isn't just for Seattle. Like, God's bigger than New York City. God's bigger than NBC. Like, we're going to follow God wherever we go. And then we went to my sister who lives in Providence, and she has two young kids now. So, connect with my cousin, or her cousins, uh, my, my daughter's cousins, my nephews. And then we went to Boston and we were in Boston. Anyone else just love the accents in Boston? So we're driving, and, and there was no car park. There was no place to park the car. So we go to Fenway Park, and uh, we see it, and we tell the driver, like, like, pull over, and the driver's like, I'm gonna have to double park. Uh, so my, my daughter and I go running out. This is like 90 degrees, incredibly humid. It's a blessing not to have humidity in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> And we're just running for blocks to get to the big sign of Fenway Park. Uh, there's a picture here. And then asked some random guy to quick take our picture. And he didn't have much time, but he took our picture. And then we were sprinted back to the car and it was just one of those memories, right? Making memories this summer with your kids, your grandkids, making memories with your family. And then on the flight home, there was a man who sat next to me, had the thickest Boston accent I heard the whole trip. He's an electrician. He started talking about his lumbar. And I was like, You're what? And then he explained his back. He's had a lot of surgeries. His lumbar is in so much pain. I was like, Oh, your lumbar. Uh, he shared about his journey. And he shared about what he saw in the hypocrisy and the meanness and the double lives. And he went to a religious school and a religious church. And his family said they were religious. And none of it, none of it was the living water of Jesus but it was a bunch of shame and guilt. And he still got the scars from that. So we talked on the plane and and God moved. And when we got home, I just thought that trip was rich in purpose. God, whether it's vacation or work or you're at church, God blesses you every day with a life that is rich in purpose. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather be rich in purpose than rich in my bank account. Now, now, nothing wrong with being rich in your bank account. You can do a lot of great things, but how empty it would be to have a rich bank account, but not be rich in purpose during the week. This is why Moses prays, God, give us a heart of a, a wisdom, a mind of wisdom to number our days aright with your purpose and your priorities. Look at verse 13. Here's the second blessing. Besides wisdom, now the second blessing is God's love. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble. God gives love that fuels comebacks in joy. This is for our heart. God's love led the people from the hand to the sand to the land. From the hand of Pharaoh through Moses delivered them into the sand of the wilderness. And then Joshua, through Joshua's leadership, led them from the sand to the promised land. It's a story of God's love, deliverance, and God's provision and guidance. Now, the Israelites, they would go into exile because of rebellion. Babylon, there's an exile that comes with rebellion, And then God welcomes them home. And as they return. Because of his love, God stirs Ezra that the people would return to God. God stirs Nehemiah to say, let's build up Jerusalem again. God stirs up Zerubbabel and others to build up the temple. It wasn't as nice as Solomon's temple. No, but it's a new temple, and what's gonna make it greater in terms of the glory is that Jesus is actually gonna be in this temple. See, this is God's love and his comeback, how he pursues us, how he restores, and the story is written throughout the pages of the Bible. The one those the prodigal son comes to his senses and returns home because of the love of the father. United States of America, drifting in many ways. But there's a time right now where we can return to God. There can be an awakening throughout our history. There's been many awakenings. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God's love satisfies our souls. Nothing else will. There's a lot of counterfeit satisfaction. God's love satisfies our souls. God's love is the reason we sing on a Sunday morning and during the week when no one's around. It's his love that makes the difference. And Right here, Moses is talking about the morning, which represents a new season. A new season for you can start today with God's love and receiving his love. A comeback because of his love. Maybe you've been in exile. Maybe you've been in the wilderness. Maybe you've been trying to just eat the food that the pigs have. That's the prodigal son. But you can come home because of his love. Your story's not over. There's a comeback here. You gotta receive his love. And when you abide with him, that comeback is strong. I think of what's happened the last three years through the pandemic and all the other pieces that were linked to the pandemic, and I praise God. God gets all the glory here. I wanna celebrate what God's doing because of his grace and his love. We did shut down briefly, and then there were some restrictions we had to sort through, and then we reopened. But there were some weeks where no one was in the room, And as we reopen, what what have we seen the last three years? God just keeps growing our community, growing our church, growing our community. We celebrate so many new members that just keep coming in and coming in at elders' meetings, it's wonderful. What about the last three years in our country, the next generation? If you've noticed the statistics that faith and mental health is a real concern in the youngest generation. I thank God when I consider our kids' ministry right now also our middle school ministry, also our high school ministry, our young adult ministry. It's never been more uh, just full of life and changed lives than right now. It's the grace of God. It's a comeback and we thank God for what's happening. And on the other side of uh, we're a multi-generational church. Young at heart is so vibrant right now. It's with our seniors. So it's not just like one part of the age group. Uh, and then what about the economy and the even inflation and challenges we've walked through the last three years? Well, your generosity and your faithfulness to God we've been able, there's been a lot of unexpected, there's been a lot of big projects, HVAC. I didn't study that in seminary, but I know a lot more about it right now. This building has about 70,000 square feet. I'm talking like work on the roofs, apartment decks that needed to be replaced and structural things. We There's stuff we couldn't have anticipated, but God's provided for our church the last three years. Invest in tomorrow projects keep getting completed. It's amazing, Uh, What else the last three years? There's been a lot of isolation. But what has God done here? Our life groups have stayed strong. There's about 500 people in life groups. These communities, and these are three years without an adult ministry pastor. We thank God for our life group leaders who have been the shepherds. And together we've stayed united, growing in our faith, seeking God, community. Well, a lot of people are experiencing hopelessness the last three years. But look what God's doing. Drive-through prayer for more than two years now on Friday nights. What else? The life groups are going out and doing service projects. What else? Meal trains for people in need coming after procedures. What else? A care team that, that rolls up their sleeves and, and does work. Uh, ministries with human trafficking. Uh, you could talk about the compassion clinics. Like It would be hard to sit here at Grace and say, like, oh, there's nothing to do. Nothing going on no opportunities we 're not reaching them in nations we 're not reaching them locally we 're just doing nothing i 'm doing nothing. It would be kind of hard to do that I mean you could there 's no pressure or force, but the point is like this is an active body that 's looking around like how can we bring the narrative of hope, real hope, the God of hope instead of this narrative of hopelessness and We see that nationwide, people are not coming to church as often, so we realize not only do we want this to be a great encounter with God, but also we need to go to where people are, and that's why like Nicole, who leads in our communications team, has done a tremendous job with social media telling the story of what God's doing, and Joel Miller and the media team doing an incredible job the last three years and the live streaming and the places and the people it's reaching now who are, who are far from God and even around the world. Michelle Latch and the digital outreach. Like, we brought the gospel to hundreds of millions of people. We're seeing thousands come to Jesus, why? Because in the middle of this, God's love compels us. It heals us, it satisfies us, we have a song to sing, there's hope to bring, and we're so thankful to God, he gets all the glory. Keep going, church, just keep going in the love of God. And then the last two verses. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us establish the work of our hands for us yes establish the work of our hands God gives favor that includes strength and impact we we celebrated the missions trip God bless the work of the hands in Orofino Idaho we celebrate the main event. God blessed the work of our hands together at main event. And then next up just happened and more people came into Jesus. More faith was strengthened. God blessed this. As we look forward to the fall, there's gonna be a class every week to encourage you, to edify you, to empower you, to equip you. It's gonna be a four-class series every month we're just going to keep going, serving, helping you realize your gifts, how God's wired you, how you can get connected, the difference you can make, discipleship, going deep with God. Like That's going to be something new. We're rolling out in the fall. You don't ministry pastors here. Life groups are going to be strengthened. Classes are going to be strengthened. The missions conference is coming up. Like The men's breakfast in September. Like there's just a lot of things that we've been praying and planning that we're coming up to. But do we just assume it's all going to go well? No, we don't. We're asking God, establish the work of our hands. God, strengthen us. We wanna roll up our sleeves. Let let me ask you personally for you, what meaningful work has God called you to do? If you were gonna write it down, what is the meaningful work that God has called you to do? And how is that going? How is that going right now? I'm talking about lives being changed, the kingdom, your family, your friends, the community, our church family. What has your name on it? What has God called you to do? Meaningful work. Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. When God was calling Moses, directing Moses, Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us out. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. There's gonna be rest and there's gonna be risk. It's a both and. But Moses said, if you're not in it, God, I don't wanna be in it. But God, if you are in it, then I'm fully in it. And that posture, looking to God, just like they look to the cloud, looking to God, what does that look like? Let me, because Moses is really looking through his entire life here, let me ask you the question this way. Before you die and go to be with God, What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do before you die? If you're at the end of your life looking back, what does faithfulness look like? Have you thought about that lately? And then what are the steps you would take right now to align with that? Because the greatest joy and goal of our lives is to be faithful to God. God guides us, communicates. Do we know the whole story? No, we're never gonna know the whole story. God reveals in parts, glimpses, next steps. Sometimes he reveals a lot. But what has God already revealed to you? That you would say, at the end of my life, this is what I think God wants to be true. And have you ever written that down? Have you ever shared that with anyone? Moses is looking generationally. The generation that's gonna pass in the wilderness and the next generation that could go further into the promised land. And this is what's true of how Moses finishes. He finishes abiding with God. He finishes fervent in the faith. He finishes intentional. He finishes setting the next generation up for success. And because Moses is faithful there, Joshua takes the baton and runs with it. What is God calling you to do? I took some time this week, a couple days, and just focused on that because I wanted to enter into this text and all that it brings. I encourage you to take some time, write some things down, and let's, let's seek the Lord and pray. Father, we thank you. It's kind of a strange existence sometimes, God, when we think about all the dynamics of being human and how you set everything up. But the one thing that's very clear and we know is that there's no greater place than your presence and abiding with you. God, we declare joyfully today that you are our dwelling place. We thank you for your kindness and patience. God, just like Moses laid out these three prayers, God, we enter in right now in these three prayers. We agree and we seek you. God, we pray that you would give us wisdom in our mind that we would number our days aright. Our priorities and our purpose would come from you. God, we pray that we would number our days aright with a mind of wisdom and your purpose. God, our second prayer is that you would satisfy us in the morning in a new way, in a fresh way, in a new season with your love. God, your love that satisfies our souls, that makes us sing. God, we receive your love today. Thank you for loving us, God. You know us and you pursue us and you love us We receive your love today, God. We turn from sin today and receive your love today. And God, you've called us to do some things, to take action, to move past excuses, to roll up our sleeves. You've given us gifts and opportunities. So we pray, God, you would bless and strengthen the work of our hands, that we would only do what you want us to do, but we would absolutely do everything that you want us to do, and we would do it in your strength. God, bless our minds and the priorities. Bless our heart with your love. Bless our hands and the work that you've given us to do, and Lord, all of this is for your glory. All of this is just building up more glory for you. That's our heart's cry, God, that you'd receive more glory in our lives, that your glory would overwhelm this place. Your glory would take over in Auburn God your presence and your glory is the cry of our heart God that's what we want to see happen and we give you praise together in Jesus name amen